The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. Let me tell you guys a story. Um, <laughs> off air, we were just talking about the fact that Nate wanted to start this episode with a, an old gangster rap song called yeah. like, with Shady's Back, Back, back again. again. So I don't know if you guys know this. I probably told people before this, but maybe, Nate, I don't know. Nate is, a, is a reformed, maybe even a closet uh, gangster <laughs> rap fan with many profanities. Um, just, I'm just kidding. That was back in his day. I remember he used to yep. drive around his Honda with the windows down, cranking out the, <laughs> the Rihanna and the Shady. <laughs> Slim Shady, yeah. I, I do have a, 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 a love for, for rap, which is uh, just funny. I think most people wouldn't know that about me, but uh, I do have a soft spot in my heart for, <laughs> for some of the old gangster rap. It was, that was my, those are my teenage years and I still like them. So I, uh, I'm lo- I'm digging the new Kanye stuff and uh, I have my, uh, my, my Christian rap friends, but every once in a while I delve into the old ungodly stuff. <laughs> <laughs> gangster rap. Uh, speaking about Kanye, I know we've been away, so this is old news for everybody else. You did see over the lockdown that he was like, decided to run for president in 2020. Yeah, and then, and then didn't. And then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. hilarious. Kind of hilarious. Like, isn't it funny that the society that we live in, that when people's names like The Rock, uh, Oprah, Kanye West, their name comes up for president of the United States, probably the most powerful human on earth at the time, at the time yep. that we don't get concerned that we're just like, Oh that, yeah, that seems to make <laughs> yeah, sense. It seems to make sense. Like, that's that, the era we're in. That's like, where's like, when did like celebrity become the, you know, what's funny. The, Sorry, I cut you off, yeah, but like, different. but, but this is, it's on the same line is, um, over the lockdown, Colleen watched back to the future for the first time. She'd never seen it. Can you believe that? I can't, so, hold on. I can't believe you married her until she'd seen it. I know. Seriously. Weird. Um, and, uh, so I showed her back to the future and you remember there's this one spot where he goes back to 1968, right? From 94 or 95 or whenever it was made. Maybe it was eighties. I don't know. And, um, anyway, he goes back and, uh, he says to doc in the past, or no, Doc says to Martin, he's like, well, if you're from the future, then who's the president in 1980, whatever? And he goes, oh, Ronald Reagan. He goes, the actor? <laughs> it's just like, and who's the vice president? Jerry Lewis? <laughs> and, and it just, it, it's funny because as you're listening to that at a time when Donald Trump is the president of the United States, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, that's not as big a shocker as, anyway, it's. It is pretty funny. Yeah, I thought so. I, I just all of a sudden mentally also had a, a picture of like after the rehearsal dinner, that coming up being like, you haven't seen Back to the Future? Before we get married tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, you need you to sit down. You must watch this <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Watch the movie. Uh, uh, that's funny. Yeah. 
Well, who so, are we? We are the Rebels. Uh, this is the Rebel Podcast, and we are part of the Reformed Rebel Network. Uh, I'm just going to direct everybody because we uh, we want to uh, talk about a lot today. So I'm just going to say go and look for Reformed Rebel Network on Facebook, on YouTube, on Patreon, uh, our website, all that kind of stuff. Uh, join up if you want to support the show, support the ministry that is expanding um, and we have a lot of uh, great plans, uh, then, then go to Patreon. You can become a, a member for two bucks a month or five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month. Uh, and uh, we're, we're very grateful for all of that. So um, anyway, check us out, Reformed Rebel Network. There's lots going on there that's uh, good stuff. But we are the Rebel Podcast. What's on uh, the docket today, Pootie? Well, today we're gonna we're just gonna keep talking about the things we missed during yeah. the that what we happened did. in the world. What we happened for the four months that we were gone? Um, aside from Everything. my soccer team winning the championship for the first time in thirty years, nobody cares um, about that. I thought that was the whole episode today. <laughs> no, uh, nobody cares about Liverpool. Booty. But I'm but sports are back. Sports are back. Yeah. I. I uh, have you have you watched any like baseball or hockey with no fans? It's weird. I will I will definitely say it's weird. So I'm um yeah I'm I'm watching the hockey and I'm watching baseball. Those are the the sports that I generally follow. Um, you know I'm I'm a fan. Like I, I I'm a sports fan, so I love putting the highlights on in the morning and watching. I don't have like a basketball team that I follow or a football team that I follow, but I, I like the sports. I watch them live, but I'm I'm not like into them. I don't know all the players. I don't know all the teams. But hockey and baseball are my are definitely my sports. Um, I, I will admit that it's been hard. It's been hard to to watch um, basketball and baseball in particular. There's a lot of social justice stuff going on right now, and uh, you know we we've been big advocates on this show for a long time that there's there's no such thing as neutrality. Right? Neutrality mm-hmm. is a myth. Um, but I was listening to Ben Shapiro the other day. Um, I listen to his podcast from time to time when the topic interests me. And uh, he was basically saying that, uh, you know, this this ideological divide that we're experiencing in the West is um, fundamentally because our neutral spaces are being um, eradicated. Okay, so he, he made the point that movies, right, Hollywood, literature, sports, these used to be areas of neutrality where a Democrat and a Republican, right, uh, you know, an atheist and a Christian could sit down and cheer for the same football team or whatever, but they can't anymore because they're now being um, politicized and everybody's using their platform and all that kind of stuff. And so he's saying because our neutral spaces are gone, this divide is there. Now, we would say neutrality was always a myth. So we would actually say that the veil is being lifted, right, that the, that the, the non-neutrality uh, of these places is now just being exposed for what it is. And I think as Christians, we actually have to celebrate that. As hard as it is to watch a baseball team play with BLM on the uh, on the pitcher's mound or, you know, uh, everybody kneeling for the national anthem, um, as hard as that is, I think as Christians, we have to celebrate and pray that God is doing something in all of this as we know he is. Um, because it's the veil of neutrality, the myth of neutrality that's being eradicated, not actual neutral, neutral spaces because there never was neutrality. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. It is, it is still very, like, it's very frustrating to watch totally because even though mentally and like, I, I knew there was nothing neutral, anything that appears neutral is really just against us. Yep. Um, but like one of the things that was like so great about sport, I'm, I can specifically only speak about sports. I feel like movies have been woke for a, for a while, while now. Yeah, that's true. Um, but sports, one of the great things about sports 
really until Kaepernick, I would say, was that they they pretended to be to be neutral. Yes, you know what I mean. And like, I like how you say the veil was torn, but like, yeah. there there used to always be like almost like a stereotype that people who watched football, like the NFL, was kind of like a redneck kind of like league, like, and it was almost like kind of like a laughable kind of like, they're not going to get involved in anything politically because they just don't like, they were almost like almost to the arrogant of like, we're bigger than that kind of junk. Yep. And now we're seeing like the MLB, the, um, like NFL doing so many things that are, that are, that are woke when they really could have just been like, we don't want to say anything like and then and by saying nothing, they're not they're not affirming it. But I, I think what's interesting now is that our culture has shifted in such a way that silence now is acceptance. You know what I mean? Like yeah. And I I even was I read an article like uh, an author a fam- a famous author. I don't know if you've ever heard the name uh, George R. R. Martin. He wrote uh, yep. like the Song of Ice and Fire. Yep. The cancel team is out for him now. Oh, are they? And it's funny. It's like somebody who I would say is a woke dude. You know what I mean? Like is being attacked now because he's, he's silent on the, like, and he didn't have like a a person of color as one of his main characters. And it's like, dude, guys started writing these books. And I think, I think in the nineties and it's like, but you know, it was, it was like, he's telling a story in a fictional world. And in the fictional world, there are, there are rules that are that mirror some of our rules, but are different than some of our, and I think it's funny. It's like, because he didn't anticipate all of these like facets of how 2020 culture is going to be, he's now attacked and going to get like, yeah. Oh, the cancel brigade is out for him. And I just look at it like, at what point did we say that if I'm just silent on a topic, I agree with it. Yeah. Like, and it's like, and it's just like, it's That's, interesting, actually. So um, Samuel Say is a uh, is a blogger and uh, an influencer that I've really appreciated through all of this uh, woke stuff, um, particularly with the with the Black Lives Matter kind of stuff, because um, Sam Say is a black man, black Christian, uh, wise, I think, courageous Christian. I'm looking at a blog post right now on his blog. His blog is slowtowrite.com. I would recommend it to anybody. He has been so solid through all of this. Uh, He's he's a local boy. He's from Brantford, Ontario. Actually, our boys at uh, The Great Exchange had him on their podcast, uh, I want to say, about a month ago. Hold on. The guys from Manitoba had the Ontario guy on their podcast, and the guys from Ontario didn't? That's correct. We're, we're on hiatus, man. We're, we are slipping. Yeah, we are slipping. Um, but he's so here's his blog post uh, title: "If silence is violence, then Jesus is a sinner." Boom! Like the, you got to love this guy, right? So it was interesting. Um, so I'll just read you a, a snippet of it. Um, he's talking uh, at the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, Israel was colonized uh, and exploited by the Roman Empire. The Romans systematically oppressed Israel by forcing them to pay severely high income taxes and force 90% of Israel's population into poverty. That is the context behind the Pharisees' question to Jesus about taxes and see, uh, to Caesar in Matthew 22. However, Jesus instructed them to pay taxes in obedience to God and and Caesar, and he reminded, uh, remained silent about the Roman Empire's oppressive system against Israel. 
Jesus didn't speak out against Tiberius Caesar's oppressive system. He didn't speak out against Herod Antipas injustices either, not even after he arrested and murdered John the Baptist. In fact, Matthew 14, 13 says, now when Jesus heard about John the Baptist's beheading, he withdrew from there into a boat to a desolate place by himself. Jesus was silent about many instances of oppression and injustice. Does that make him complicit in Caesar's oppression against Israel? Does that make him complicit in John the Baptist's murder? Does that make Jesus a sinner? According to the logic of the slogan, Jesus isn't sinless, Jesus isn't righteous, and therefore he isn't our savior from sin. That is the implication of an ideology and a slogan that puts more hope in protesting and rioting than the perfect righteousness of Christ. That's the sound of of a mic dropping. (laughs) Yeah. So Samuel Say has been phenomenal in this, and I would encourage you to read his blog over at Slow to Write. I pulled actually up a couple of his blogs for our conversation today because there were a couple quotes that I wanted to read, and that's one of them. So what you're seeing with all of this Black Lives Matter stuff is are are these slogans, and slogans have power. Like, what did you hear during the lockdown to make you, you know, um, fine with the lockdown. Stay home, stay safe. Flatten the curve, do your part, right? These are the mantras. Stronger together. Stronger together, like yeah. We're all doing it. So we, we, mantras have a very uh, powerful way of galvanizing people around an ideology. And so this silence is violence, black lives matter. Like these are, these, they, they choose their words carefully to, uh, to present all of this. So there's a couple things. So I mean, we're coming to this late to the party, so if you don't know, all of this was sparked by George Floyd. Um, the, the advantage that we have, speaking about it now, is that the body cam video just went viral of uh, one of the officers, not uh, Derek Chauvin, but one of the officers who watched the whole thing. And now we actually are, there's, there's zero evidence in all of that that any of Derek Chauvin's aggression towards uh, George Floyd was uh, racially motivated. There's no evidence of racial motivation there. Um, we also know that Derek, um, that uh, George Floyd was saying that he couldn't breathe and that he was going to die long before Derek Chauvin had his knee on his neck. We also know the coroner's report said that he did not die of asphyxiation. So I'm not saying that what Derek Chauvin did wasn't wrong. He was, he's been charged with the murder of George Floyd. If, if, if you believe that he was a murderer, justice has in fact been served. But this event was the catalyst to all of these riots and all of these protests. And now that, that we, here we are months later and all the evidence is out, there's no evidence this was racially motivated. In fact, the evidence that Derek Chauvin is in fact a murderer, like there's a difference. Like I, I think no matter what, there's no way you can look at that and, and think that he maybe made wise decisions and how he was handling himself. I think he was overly aggressive. I don't think what he did was, was right in any regard. And I think that he should be punished. Whether or not he's a murderer, that's now up for grabs. Whether or not he's a racist, there's no evidence to suggest that he was. So you look at, uh, we, we also, from the body cam footage, it's very clear that uh, George Floyd was high as a kite. Some information has come out that he, uh, about a week before, held a knife to a pregnant mother's belly and said, um, as he robbed her. So there's all this stuff, and, and nobody's ever said that George Floyd is a, is a saint or a role model. But I say this is the spark, this is the thing that sparked all of this. And I think that that actually shows that what's in, in, what's in the heart is lawlessness. This is just, remember when Jesus said, like, you know, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you have lust in your heart towards another woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. What we learn from Jesus in that is that sin is not 
put into our heart by outside circumstances. The sin exists in our heart and outside circumstances just pulls out what's already there. So the, the sin of lawlessness, the sin of antinomianism was already rampant, not only in the church or not only in the culture, but also in the church. And so that's why we've seen so many people jump onto this rioting and these protests and this sort of, they're, they're calling it a revolution. And it's because there's lawlessness in their own hearts and they're being sucked in. And, and so what we want to say, we want to talk about Black Lives Matter here. I, I will say it as, as, as solidly and as definitively as I can. There is no, a, a Christian has absolutely no biblical basis to support the Black Lives Matters organization in any way, shape, or form. It is a godless organization. By their own words, simply go to the Black Lives Matter website. By their own words, they exist to um, dismantle the nuclear family, to uh, dismantle North American patriarchy, to advance abortion, to uh, um, advance the affirmation of LGBT community, and you cannot divorce any of those goals from their other goal of um, racial equality. And I'm, I'm also just going to say, if you look at the, their own words, you will have a very difficult time finding anything about racial equality there. In fact, they are very unapologetically about the advancement of black agenda and black people. And I think that um, it was interesting. Martin, uh, Morgan Freeman was asked recently, um, how do you as a, as a black man react to um, the racism um, you know, and, and the event with George Floyd and blah, blah, blah. And his reaction was simple. He just said, the day you stop calling me a black man and just start calling me a man, the minute that headline reads, cop puts his neck on suspect's neck, as opposed to white cop puts his you know, knee on the uh, black necks, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so it's interesting that I, I think you look at Black Lives Matter, I think that they are racist. I think that they are ungodly. I think that they are Marxists. And I don't think that any Christian has any business attaching themselves to that organization or that movement in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think I think it's very important you're saying organization because like there's a difference. There's a I think there's a big difference. And I think I think too many Christians, and I would I would say too many Christians that I respect in terms of like their pastoral ministry, have not separated saying like the like the the idea behind like the slogan black lives matter and the organization of black lives matter there's drastically different terms like i think both of us would affirm like i i believe black people's lives matter right you know what i mean i think and i think we're the ones that like i i i don't know anybody realistically i know no i know not one person who would say the opposite that black yeah, lives matter don't, don't matter. matter. And, I, and I'm not saying that there isn't people who are racist. Yeah. I just sure don't have is. any contact with anybody who would say that because frankly, I wouldn't probably be friends with it with an, like an, a, like an, a, a vocal racist. I just wouldn't. Well, Cause the, the reason you wouldn't is because it's stupid. well, because it, it's unrepentant racism is, is unrepentant sin, right? Like let, let's not, we're not elevating racism above any other sin. Racism is the sin Right is the sin of 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 hatred or pride that is racially motivated. Right, it's the uh, the old Webster's definition. It has been simply the uh, the hatred, uh, the belief in the inferiority or superiority of a particular race. Right, um, and so that that's just sin. That's the sin of partiality. Right, that's the sin of um, pride and the sin of hatred that is racially motivated. So. Um, now, I, I totally agree with you. Black lives matter because black 
brothers and sisters, black non-Christians are made in the image of God, just like Hispanics Amen. and just like Asians and just like Caucasians and just like every other race on earth, every other ethnicity on earth. We are all part of one race, the human race, and the entirety of the human race, black, red and yellow, black and white, as the old song goes, are all fallen and sinful and in need of a savior. Right? Exactly, exactly. And that's exactly why you would, why we would be advocate very plainly saying the organization Black Lives Matter needs to be destroyed. Yes. Just like we would say the organization of the Ku Klux Klan needs to be destroyed. Amen. Yeah. For the exact same reason. Yes. Um, is that they're not, they're, they're just evil organizations. Yes. And I think, and I think that's where I think too many people are caught up in, and falling in this area with the, with the BLM movement is that they're not separating. Yeah. Like the, the two that like Black Lives Matter. And, and that's why I won't, say and I don't have any signs that say Black Lives Matter. No. And why when we started talking about sports, I know you want to jump in. No, when, no, no, when it it irritates me seeing this on the mound because that that is simply an organize like it's a political organization that has no 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 business being pr- promoted because it isn't it is an organization that wants to thoroughly destroy everything that we think it means. It it doesn't have any like their own leaders profess to want black supremacy, not, and I'm just like, and I don't, I don't, and I'm saying that I want anybody who wants to be supreme over the other, other based on ethnic um, reason to be destroyed. I don't like when I say that, when I say destroyed, I mean like I want the organization to be broken up. And you said something important there. So we did make a differentiation between the phrase black lives matter and the organization of black lives matter. But you said something very important because we've both been accused of, well, you should be able to affirm that Black Lives Matter without affirming the organization. And I would just say, no, because Black Lives Matter, the phrase, is associated with the organization. And so if you have a sign that says Black Lives Matter and you might not be promoting the the organization, the people who are watching, the people who are seeing, the people who see that have something else in their mind. And you are responsible, not just for what you say, but also how it's perceived. This is why elders can become disqualified based on what they're thought of by outsiders, right? The elders are to be above reproach, not just because they're not supposed to be sinful people, but also because perception matters, right? This is why, like, I don't know if um, I've had, I've counseled people who came to me and asked, asked me to do their wedding and they were living together prior to. And I said, no, I won't do your wedding while you're living together. One, like you're going to have to move out, no sleeping together. No, like, not, oh, we're not sleeping together. We're not doing any of that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter because the perception and the temptation, right? And so, you know, I, I just say the temptation because there's a whole other side to it that would, you know, require wisdom. Um, but just the perception of it. We are called to be above reproach. We are called to all of those kinds of things. And so, no, Christian, do not use the term Black Lives Matter and say, oh, I don't stand for everything the organization stands for, but I can still affirm Black Lives Matter. You can affirm that Black Lives Matter in other ways. Black lives are important. You can say that. Don't say Black Lives Matter because that points people to an organization that is actively pursuing anti-kingdom ends. Yeah. Amen. We, we have often talked about language mattering on this podcast. If you go back to basically our whole issue with Bruxy Cavey and the meeting house is strictly based on the fact that they want to change language 
to make it seem like they're saying the same thing as us. Right. And they're redefining words. Yeah, and that's so right. when, when we come out and we talked about this, like we live in a, we live in a headline culture. People don't generally look in it. And I would, I would blame, I would say everybody does this to some extent mm-hmm. where we live in a Twitter, uh, Twitter universe where yeah, 140 characters, 140 characters. And I'm convinced of my position. Yeah. A quick headline, and I'm convinced of my position. Yeah. We we often don't read all of the details because the the headline is all we need. So when I say I I can't say Black Lives Matter, I can't say Black Lives Matter because what that slogan means is all the things attached to it, even if you don't know that they they That's mean right. that. That's right. Um, so I can say, like you said, I can say Black Lives are important. I can say a lot of a lot of affirming things around that because I believe those things. I actually think one of the brilliant things I've seen during this like whole um, movement, so to speak, is some like African-American black, I don't know what the proper term, black men who have come out and said, we can't affirm this unless we affirm this. So uh, the actor, uh, Terry Crews, I don't know if you saw this, where he was like, um, all black lives matter, including the unborn. And he like went out and, and, and basically pointed out, and I don't know if, I don't think he's a Christian. I don't think this is a, a like, I, I, I think he is. Is he? I've okay. Heard, I've heard conflicting. So I, I let's am, not go on record and yeah, say one I'm way or no the other. I've, I've seen a lot of solid stuff from him is what, and, and I've heard him people say he's a Christian, but I don't know that for sure. Well, interesting. So if you don't know what he, what he actually said is like, you can't, you can't say black lives matter and then say, like, unless you say all black lives matter, including the unborn. And then he pointed out some facts that nobody seems to want to talk about. Um, or if they do want to talk about, they get shut down pretty quickly. And that is most Planned Parenthoods. I would think, I think it's something like 70 or 80% of the Planned Parenthoods in the States are in organ in areas that are predominantly like black communities. The Planned Parenthood started as a, as a solution, almost like a sim- similar to the Nazis yeah. started with this, solution, the, uh, yeah. the, the solution of eradicating the black community. Yeah. More black babies are aborted in the United States. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe it's definitely in, New- in the state of New York, but yes. Yeah. Okay. But then, then are born and you can't, you can't say black lives matter unless you start saying that all black lives yeah. matter. And, and I'm not saying like, I realize abortion is one of the issues. There's other ones. I think, I think. Um, fatherlessness in the black community is massively Massive, important. Yeah. And, and I think it's massively important all the way across the board, but I mean, like it's particularly, particularly prominent in the black community that you, we have fatherless fatherlessness and that causes problems. Yeah. And then there's, you know, there, there is other, there is other issues, socio and economic. Nobody's talking about Chicago. Why is nobody talking about Chicago? Right? Because well, Obama did that, so we don't <laughs> wanna, we don't want to blame the the yeah. black president for it. So, but I and and this is um, so we talked about Samuel Say at the beginning of the episode at the blog uh, Slow to Write. He had a another uh, blog post that I would recommend to you called "Do Not Repay Racism for Racism," and uh, and and basically that's what he's saying is that um, number one that the goals of um, of Black Lives Matter is are so um, anti-white that they are actually repaying racism with racism, but also that you cannot ignore the racist elements that they stand for if you, you know, yeah. you know, as they're standing against. So like, and he talks a little bit about abortion and that sort of thing as well. And what's interesting is, I don't know if you saw this, I think it was last week or the week before, um, where um, there Margaret Sanger is kind of getting canceled in terms of, uh, she's the founder of Planned Parenthood. And, and now, you know, they're acknowledging the racist roots of Planned Parenthood. But what happens in every other cancel culture? 
Every other cancel culture, you get canceled, you're done. You're done. Your organization is done. Your books are done. Your life is done, right? Like, look what happened to um, during the whole Me Too movement, right? Some of the people who got caught up in that, Kevin Spacey, he got canned from his show, right? Got canceled until they could replace him. Like, he's done. He's not been in the limelight. You're not hearing anything of Kevin Spacey anymore because he was canceled. But what's interesting is that because that um, you know those who hate God are, sw- are, are, are their feet are swift to uh, shed blood, which is what uh, the Proverbs say, which is what uh, is quoted in Romans 3. And so Margaret Sanger gets canceled, but Planned Parenthood doesn't, right? They want to keep on killing, right? They want to keep on pursuing abortion, keep on um, uh, uh, stoking the, uh, the culture of death, but they'll just count, cancel the founder. And so the, the, the point in all of this is that the, you cannot pursue justice with unjust, lawless means, right? This is why rioting, right, is not a form of, of, uh, of uh, effective uh, debate or, or uh, uh, protest because it's lawlessness that wants to see the end of justice, it doesn't doesn't work. You cannot use injustice to bring about justice. That's not how the that's not how God created the world. And so you have to follow God's rules to get to God's ends, right? Only God provides peace that passes understanding. Only God provides salvation. Only God provides redemption. And the the the, the most dangerous thing about Black Lives Matter is that they are they are providing a way of atonement that doesn't go through the cross right? Amen. Like they, they will, if you acknowledge your white guilt, if you bow, like I was watching, there were pastors and churches who were bowing down, literally on their knees, bowing in front of Black Lives Matter um, representatives, uh, asking for forgiveness for the sins of uh, their ancestors in, in terms of, uh, of slavery and all that kind of stuff. Guess what? They cannot provide you absolution. They cannot provide you forgiveness. They cannot provide you redemption. Only Jesus does that. And that's what this whole, every Christian who thinks, oh, this is, you know, the, the world is on board with anti-racism right now. We should, we should use this. This is our opportunity. We, racism really is a sin. We should be using it. Yes, racism is a sin, but all of their solutions to end racism will not end by ending racism. It will only increase racism, reverse it, or pervert the justice of God. The only way to atonement is through the cross. Yeah, I, I love that you're pointing that out because that's what I've had conversations, and this is something that I think that's just strictly missing, and it's a it's a perversion of what the gospel is. That's and right. the perversion, like, is when when we're forgiven, God God doesn't forget, but He puts our sin as far away from east as west. It's no longer yep. counted against us. And the thing that I find so interesting about this whole um, like white guilt, white shame, um, Black Lives Matter issue is that I can say I'm sorry. And then like, I, I had nothing to do with the slave trade in any way, shape or form, but I can apologize and I can repent of anything that I've done in my heart or anything like that I've done that is actually racist. Cause I'm like, it's possible that I've done something. And if I have, I'm, I'm sorry. I like, and I yep. can repent. And in a Christian world, in a Christian world and how we interact with God, when, when we do that, it's, it's forgiven. And then we move forward with it. Just like if I, if I sin against you and I come to you and I'm like, Nate, I'm sorry, man, forgive me. We put that behind us and we move forward. That's now right. I'm not saying there isn't consequences for it. That's nobody says that sin doesn't have consequences. It does. Yeah. Um, but like for the general, most part, you would forgive me and it's a dead issue between us. That's right. 
Um, but like, what's funny about this is that we, we have to continually come and we continually have to make atonement for what, uh, like for what we have done. And then nothing is ever good enough in terms of that atonement. So like, therefore all the things that we have to look, we look at like statues and all of our past figures are all getting torn down before us, even though we've re, like culture has repented of that now. You know what I mean? Like, well, and uh, now don't get me wrong. There is like national repentance and and corporate um, confession are are very biblical 100%. ideas, right? Like, like nations and covenant with God, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I totally agree with all of that, but. I mean, Ezekiel eighteen twenty is very, very clear. It says, "The soul um, who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself." Which means that this idea that I need to repent because of my skin tone, right? I need to repent because of the the amount of melanin in my skin, of what those who I am ethnically connected to not necessarily by blood, but just by ethnicity, the fact that I need to apologize for the racist sins of my fathers or grandfathers or great-grandfathers is just an unbiblical concept. That's that's not biblical. We can, we can repent corporately for our nation's sins, absolutely and amen, and we should. And there are places where racism is rampant in our culture. Fair enough. 100%. Yes. But... I am not on the hook to pay before God for the sins of my father. That's what Ezekiel 18:20 tells me. And so um, we all ought to. So what so so then the question is, are, let's not just define ourselves by the fact that we are against Black Lives Matter. What should Christians be doing? Well, Christians should be doing is fighting and combating the sin of racism in their own hearts where they see it. The, the sin of racism in their spheres that God has placed them in, maybe maybe in, maybe your your father who comes from a different generation has racist tendencies. Maybe maybe there's something embedded in him because he did grow up in this culture. Well, you are not responsible for his sins, but if if he is a brother, if he is a Christian and you have the relationship with him, you can go to him and help him work through. This is what we're called to do. Um, Ephesians 6 talks about those of you who are spiritual, if, if one falls into sin, those of you who are spiritual should restore them, right? And so, so this is what we're called to do as Christians. But So we combat the sin of racism in our own hearts first. We combat the sin of racism within our sphere. And we can pray. We can pray that any national sins that we see um, would be eradicated. And we can confess and we can, we can pray for, for them to change. But once again, what will not be a solution to that is you know it's it's funny you know we're we're watching all of these um these organizations and businesses coming up with their statements and and they're just they're essentially just I'm going to put the BLM flag up because then that atones for whatever sins we've committed right um and uh it's interesting because um I saw uh the band-aid like literally the the brand band-aid right all bandages are not band-aid band-aid yeah, yeah. is like a the 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 company the company. So they came out with to like celebrate racial equality. They came out with band-aids um, in one pack, right? So normally you go out and you buy like a pack that are skin tone or a darker skin tone or white or, you know, I've young kids. So Spider-Man, Superman, you know, <laughs> Disney princesses, whatever. Um, but they're in one pack now. There's a variety of all these different um, colors of various skin tones, right? And I'm like, what a perfect 
metaphor. What a perfect analogy for a Band-Aid solution, right? Like, first of all, that's ridiculous because I only need one skin tone, right? If I, if I want a Band-Aid that's gonna show my, that's gonna match my skin, I need one skin tone. So sell them all in separate packages. There's nothing about putting them in, sep- in single packages that's going to eradicate racism. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But all of these things are Band-Aid solutions. The only actual the only actual way forward is to let the gospel saturate any sin-laden culture. So whatever our sin is, whether it's racism, whether it's lust, whether it's greed, whether it's pride, and get don't get me wrong, every Western culture, we struggle with all of those. The only solution for any of them is the blood of Jesus. And so anything, anything that tries to offer a form of redemption that circumvents the cross is a false gospel, and Paul said in Galatians 1 that we should run away. We should, anybody who preaches a false gospel, let him be accursed. So Black Lives Matter offers atonement without the cross. It's a false gospel. Let anybody who, who uh, pronounces it be accursed. That's what Paul would say. Amen. So, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think you're bang on. Like, um, what, what the only solution to the, to the problem of racism is, is, Christians repent, like basically Christians combating it in their, in their own lives and the gospel and the gospel is the only thing that will change. So when we laid out like all the, um, things that are wrong and things that are needed and the problems in, in certain communities and whatnot, the solution to all of those problems is people with the gospel sharing that gospel. So like, um, when I, when people are like, because the, the thing is black lives matter are, are providing a solution and their solution is, well, tear down basically. Society. I'm over. Yeah. Tear down society and let's yeah. replace everybody with with people of color. People of color, and yeah. like, and that will change the the problem. And we've seen in South Africa and other places in the world that that doesn't change anything because the same problem that that one culture has, the other culture has, because we're all human beings, and the problem is sin in the heart. Right. So, what's the only solution to sin in the heart is the gospel. So, what do we need to see happen to see? all of the issues with, with certain communities and racism happen, we need to see the gospel go to, to go to, go to all those places. So we need the gospel to go to the white communities that think they're better. And I'm just yeah, generalizing yeah, yeah. needs to go to the Asian cultures who think they're this way needs to go to the Muslim community, right. needs to go to the black community and we need people to take the gospel there. So one of the things I, I've noticed. And so like when there's Planned Parenthood's pop, popping up all over black communities to eradicate the black community, it's interesting to me to, I would wonder how many of our African, like our black pastors are going back to their own, to the, to those neighborhoods. And I, mm. I was thinking about this with like, and I, I don't know, know, know that they're not, but I just, the tendency in North American Christianity is become a pastor, go to a, go to a, an affluent church and then work my way up the church corporate ladder until I've got the 5,000, the big, one. The big yeah. one and I'm making my, my, my living. And I, I've always been convicted by the idea that like when we, like you went to, to Iraq recently and trained pastors and what was the main thing that I, they kept saying to you was, I just want to go back to my, like back to my community, back to my people yeah. and share. Yeah. And they came to you at great risk to them, to themselves to learn how to do that. Yeah. And how many missionaries do we know that like, where it's like, we send missionaries over, but really what they're there to do is to train up the pastors in that own community yeah. to take the gospel back to them. That's like right. how, and, and I find it in funny that North America seems to be the only 
like Western, I won't say North America, Western Christianity is the only one that has the opposite mentality where it's like, I want to get out of where I was and go to a somewhere better, somewhere better. And I, and I think that's like, that's just so the opposite of what should be happening and, and to bring the solution to, to offer a solution where yeah. it isn't just like combated is that I think we need to see young men who are willing to go to South central, to go to Chicago, to go, Pastor a church that they might only make $24,000 a year pastoring. They might have to do it like, and have a a part-time job and be willing to do that to bring the gospel to these communities. Yeah, no, that's good. You, you actually, you just expanded the application, um, much broader. And I think you did a great job. It's, um, you know, I'm thinking of Isaiah six, right? So in Isaiah six, uh, Isaiah gets a vision of, of the throne room. Right. And that's where he says, you know, he saw uh, the train of his robe filled the temple, you know, that whole thing. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, that whole thing. And, uh, and it's interesting because he, he, um, the, the seraphim comes with, a, with the, a, a hot coal, right, in the tongs, and he, and he um, presses it on Isaiah's lips and, and cleanses him, right? It's this, this picture of, of salvation, of redemption. Of, and, uh, and it's interesting because what what happens right after that is basically the the ancient of days, the the Almighty God. He, he says, "Who will go for me?" Right? And Isaiah says, "You know, behold, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in a culture of unclean lips. Here, my Lord, send me." And 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 so this the what you see there. I'm get I'm going somewhere with this is that when Isaiah was cleansed, when he was saved, when he was redeemed, when he was regenerated. He had two observations. Number one, I'm unclean, right? So I was in need of, of Christ as Savior, but I, I live in a, a, among a people of unclean lips. So send me, send me there, right? And I think, I think you're absolutely right in that. We, um, that that's part of what's missing is this sort of like, what, how does God change the world? So somebody might be sitting there, and I, I've had conversations with well-intentioned Christians who have bought into the Black Lives Matter thing because there's something concrete. What can we do? We can cry defund the police. We can show up for rallies. We can chant the chants. We can do the things. They're looking for action. Like, good for you. Faith without deeds is dead, right? Put your faith into into works. Uh, James says, you show me your faith, you, and I'll show you my faith by what I do, right? So so you have, I think, well-intentioned Christians who are just looking for something to do. But the, the problem is it's easier. It, okay, I'm going to offend some people here. It's easier to show up to a Black Lives Matter rally and then go back to your air-conditioned home with your Wi-Fi, with your comfy couches and your your queen-size bed and uh, and feel like you've done something than it is to give up all of that and go back to the community that God has called you to go back to, right, and and preach the gospel there. And that might mean, I'm not saying black people got to go back to black communities and white people got to go back to, you feel a burden to end racism or to eradicate racism? Go and plant a church in the middle of a black community. Why not do that? Like, why why not do that? Why why does showing up at a rally? It's because it's easier. It's easier to do these things. It's easier to to participate in Blackout Tuesday and then Wednesday looks exactly the same than it is to dedicate your life to change the hearts and minds of a few people in your sphere. Like that, at the end of the day, that's why we, we like Black Lives Matter because it's easy solutions. It's simple solutions. Now, don't get me wrong. Their solutions aren't easy. They're all about revolution, but you're just getting caught up in their, in their aspirations and big dreams with your little, little, weak, pathetic dreams. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think you're banging, you're, you're hitting on something that's actually like is, I would almost say profound. Um, the idea is like 
Christians, like there's a song and I can't, it's called uh, because he lives where the, the songs line is that like, let your song be joined to the song that never ends. Yeah, that's right. And so like the, the thing with Christian like that, that people like Christians who are getting sucked into the black lives matter mandate is, is forgetting that our song, our life story is tied to the the gospel being expanded to the King's kingdom being expanded on the earth. And they're getting sucked into somebody else's kingdom getting expanded on earth. And like, it's one of those things where it's like, there's a, there's a, there's a subtle attack that happens to us. And you see this throughout scripture, particularly in the old Testament when Israel strays, because they get sidetracked by something else. Yeah. And it's like, no, there, the mandate is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching them all the, all the good stuff. And we, our lives should be attached to that goal and that goal alone, which is why we both praise the athletes who refuse to kneel to, to other, I can't remember their names, but like who refuse to kneel to the idea of black lives matter. Not because they're not saying that the black lives don't matter, but because they're saying I only kneel to to Jesus. Exactly. Right. Well, and, and so just to to tie a bow on that, because I think he said it really well is you know, part of what motivates us is is the desire for easy solutions, and then I would also say it's our micro, microwave culture mentality, right? Is like we want what 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 are the chants, right? At, at the Black Lives Matter rally that happened in London, right, right in the middle of lockdowns, by the way, six thousand people showed up, not socially distanced or wearing masks. And what were they chanting? What do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. Oh, isn't that interesting? Because the biblical solution. How does God establish peace on the earth? How does God grow his kingdom? Slowly. It's all agricultural, right? It's, how, it's, how, it's like a, watching a seed grow. It's like kneading leaven through a loaf. All of these things, it's like a, a, a stone, right, that breaks the statue, that grows into a, a mountain that fills the whole earth. It's all gradual. It's all slow. How did Israel take land in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua. They slowly, gradually solidified their borders and, and, and all of these things, it's all slow, gradual, growth of the kingdom. We don't like that. It's harder, it's much harder to allow the gospel to become internalized, see racism eradicated in your own heart, in, in the hearts of the people around you, and spend your life fighting racism in a few individuals and hoping that generation after generation after generation, the slow, gradual growth of the kingdom brings about God's justice. Not, what do we want justice? When do we want it now? Well, guess what? It doesn't matter when you want justice because only God can establish justice on the earth and he's gonna do it by his means. So pursue it, but pursue it by his means. Pursue it through kingdom growth. Pursue it by regeneration and see racism eradicated one regenerated heart at a time. Amen. All right. Hey, it's great to be back, Pootie. We're back. Great to be back. All right. So next week, we're going to launch into a, uh, a new series. We're excited about that. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.